Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 197 for Monday, June 13th, 2022. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixorifs, and joining me as always is a slightly muddy Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Well, I might be slightly muddy, but we've been talking an awful lot about our uh, green thumbs and what we would like to do with uh, the gardens that we either possess or don't possess yet. And if you'd like to hear more about that, then you can listen to The Render Distance, which is the extended version of the podcast. You can get that at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks by becoming a member. There are perks to becoming a member. You get to hang out with us once a month in the monthly Minecraft Hangout. Look out for that later this month. And because of the support that we get on Patreon, we have special episodes of the spawn chunks that are actually accessible to everybody. The chunk mail dispenser is next week. So if you have a quick thought or question, about Minecraft 119 The Wild Update, send that along to spunchunkmail at gmail.com and you might get it on the next episode. It will surprise nobody to hear that we are probably going to be spending most of this episode talking about Minecraft 1.19 because it is, of course, out. Uh, but before we get into the news and maybe not cribbing too much from our main discussion about 119, what have you been up to on the Citadel this week? So I've been taking it slow. Uh, in part, it just took a long time to find some new blocks in in the wild update uh, but i i'm in the middle of west still like i'm still in 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 the middle of building the the west side which i'm very much enjoying and because i am trying to expand the color palette uh i wanted to use some of the new blocks because the new blocks that were added in the wild update are fairly neutral in terms of they're not like primary colors like concrete or terracotta. Mm -hmm. uh, they're browns and greens and some reds and stuff like that, but they work much better with, you know, medieval themed or I'm, I'm hoping to make them work much better with medieval themed than than other, you know, more colorful blocks. So uh, we spent some time uh, looking for a mangrove swamp. Didn't find it at first, but I also don't know if I was looking entirely in the right space because uh, we trimmed the chunks to, I'll call it the main continent uh, in on the Citadel for 118. So in 117, I trimmed it. In 118, we updated. But we really haven't been doing that much exploring. So I don't really remember because it's been months, you know, where exactly uh, I trimmed to. Uh, so on the first day, we didn't find anything. And I ended up making mud on my own with water bottles and um, and just kind of making a little bit of a of a, I, no, it wasn't a shulker box. It was maybe about a stack or two, you know, of, of mud and uh, working on a gradient and trying to incorporate mud into uh, the keep in the medieval town because it's currently a very large wall of gray and I'm trying to get some darker grays and stuff in there. And it works pretty well. I was working with deep slate and uh, polished, uh, not polished, um, smooth basalt. Uh, yeah. and mm -hmm. mud and mud was working well in that um had some trouble trying to work it in with some brown blocks and some some riverbank stuff i feel like that might take a little bit more practice and work but um it has a little bit of a blue tint to it so we i noticed it working better with more neutral grays and cooler blocks than it does work yeah. with the warmer the warmer blocks um although we did notice that there was a little bit that worked with some wood too so it depends on how much green your wood block has in it, it it might work with with something like a mud block mud really feels like it's kind of it's calibrated to go alongside the waterscapes of a mangrove swamp itself and so when you when you bring it in anywhere else you think oh yes mud equals brown and then you kind of go actually no like what you're expecting to be more the color of something like soul soil is actually like like you say it's a lot cooler yeah and it's it's going to be interesting to work with because 
I really like the other blocks that come with it. Uh, the, the next day we were able to find a mangrove swamp. Uh, we just went in a different direction and, and found one. And it's big, which is great because, you know, on a server, it's a big enough mangrove grove swamp that if someone wants to do a cool build in the swamp, they can do that. And then folks that want to maybe mine a little bit of it can go way around the other side, mine out some trees and some mud and not really affect too much mm. of the too much of the um, the landscape. Um, what was really interesting, actually, in that particular adventure was that uh, I was noticing the different colors on the leaves in the mangrove leaves and realized that the adjacent desert biome was overlapping the mangrove swamp vertically. So at the base, the the mud and the grass and the mangrove leaves were all mangrove colors. But when you get close to the top of the mangrove tree, it was that kind of like brownish dead looking leaf color that you see in deserts. And that's uh -huh. because at a certain Y level, the biome switched from mangrove swamp to desert, which I thought was really interesting. Having huh. not encountered that before uh, in, in the overworld, um, it was also a very mountainous desert. So it went from flat swamp to steep desert quite quickly. So as that mangrove tree grew up and didn't grow up straight, it's sort of like it switched its its position. Uh, and and uh, I did a test and sure enough, about halfway up a, a bit of scaffolding, my biome switched from swamp to desert, which I thought was cool. That's um, really interesting. I've not yeah. thought of mangrove swamps as potentially being a 3D biome in that sense. And I don't know if that's like all worlds or if it's just something like an aspect of your generation because you're bringing be. the world forward. Yeah, yeah, it could, it could be that too. Um, but I mean, these are all new chunks. So neither the desert nor the mangrove swamp would have been loaded before. So um, either way, uh, I I'm I was struck by, you know, the experience of being in the swamp. We'll talk about that a little bit later, I think. Um, brought back some mangrove wood uh, to, to West Hill and then promptly got to work uh, with stripped mangrove wood, pairing it with some jungle wood to create the roof of what I hope is going to be the flower shop in the area. And also using some packed mud bricks and sorry, packed mud and mud bricks uh, together in another roof design. And uh, it was slow going because they're new blocks. You don't know what they work with. You do a little bit of experimentation on the ground. And then sometimes you just you can't just stack stuff next to each other on the ground and say like, oh, this is going to work. Because as soon as you get it up on something that has geometry, that has depth, that has uh, adjacent builds next to it, you realize, oh, wait a minute, I can't make a mud brick roof next to a jungle roof because they're almost the same color, right? They're different textures, but when you put them next to each other in the air, they really blend together. So mm -hmm. you kind of have to like, say, oh, well, that means I'll have to put a, a border on this roof and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, it was a few hours of, of messing around. One of those streams that didn't feel like you accomplished much because really all you're doing is working through strategies not committing too much to a full build because like you're not sure what you might have to change so you don't want to like take the whole thing right through to the finish and then realize crap i don't like mangrove wood in that roof um but yeah i've been using mostly mangrove uh stripped logs and the um sparingly been using the mud brick i really like the packed mud which has made me realize that i need a much more robust wheat farm because i don't want to use it <laughs> yes. more then we're going to be stuck there, but it's fun. It was, it was a good time and um, experimenting, you know, with um, different aspects of, of 119 and learning how mangroves grow and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure we'll get into the, the main discussion later, but really the focus of this, this weekend on the Citadel was, was grabbing the, uh, the mangrove woods and trying to like figure out what existing blocks in Minecraft work well with it. And for me specifically, 
what blocks to pair it with to make it look like it was an intentional build in this you know 118 plains biome like so that it doesn't look like it's a tropical house and like that's just so at a place it doesn't work right yeah yeah so i'm i'm using these blocks more as like accents or like sprinkling mud into textures not like making a mud roof necessarily because yeah especially because like airdropped in a jungle shack <laughs> suddenly yeah, in the middle of this medieval build yeah precisely and and because of i mean as you would expect with their nature mud mud bricks packed mud they do kind of have that more rustic kind of um i don't want to say mud hut because it's it's not that it's not that basic but it certainly has the look of being made from materials from a different place not a taiga forest <laughs> which mm -hmm. is what i'm next to right so i i feel like you know i wanted to kind of use them sparingly and so far i've had i've had some success there's going to be a lot of nitpicking and layering and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't um it is nice to have another wood that has a different textural direction. So you know how, yeah. same with jungle. Jungle has that horizontal texture direction and same with mangrove. It's nice to have have that. So I'm um, looking forward to it. I mean, that's that's really where I got with it. I I, um, I think something that we preach a lot on the show, I'm taking my time with this update. Yeah, so I didn't yeah. rush out and do all the things. I saw frogs and I have plans for frogs, but that's just not what I was into on the weekend. This weekend, I was looking at, you know, what blocks I could incorporate into some roofs and stuff. But eventually, we'll we'll fan out and do more. But um, right now, I'm just taking it slow and enjoying the fact that there's new stuff in the game. I like it. It's a fact-finding approach to the stream. It's like, we're not going to make massive progress here. We're just here to kind of mess around with this stuff and, and do all of the working out live instead of, you know, going behind the scenes, you know, spending half an hour just doodling with blocks in creative and going what does this make what does this make and i i kind of took the same approach as you like the first thing i wanted to do when 119 arrived i immediately went looking for a mangrove swamp um and i found mine five thousand blocks away uh wow. my world seed is to blame for that because uh, i think the closest mangrove swamp to spawn if i loaded it up as a fresh 119 world was still about three thousand blocks away but that was in an area that i'd already loaded and didn't even get trimmed out of the world so i i went a lot of i did a lot of flying around kind of spiraling outwards and found one yeah five thousand blocks away i did find another woodland mansion in the process of that so we'll get to that later when i talk about LA's. um but yeah my world seed was really to blame for how far away it was but once i was there grabbed a bunch of mangrove very very happy with that and did the same kind of thing as you really just kind of figured out okay how does this tree really operate i hadn't messed around with them too much in survival in the snapshots and unlike what i tend to do with snapshots generally so it's kind of nice to uh, to mess with it but i've definitely seen having you know spun up a couple of 119 test worlds here and there um there are somewhere the the, the entire spawn is a mangrove swamp right like if you spawn near a jungle you've probably got a mangrove swamp within 500 blocks of you so i think in in 119 worlds it's not like the mangrove swamp is completely inaccessible it's just for those of us who are upgrading especially if you've generated a lot of the center of your world already it's kind of difficult to uh to go out and find one on your doorstep you know um so after that i went looking and easily found the deep dark and an ancient city the day after um and so i didn't realize this but the deep dark is more likely to spawn under mountainous terrain and especially under eroded mountainous terrain uh is where you're going to find ancient cities like there are apparently like depth and erosion parameters that the world builds when it's building the terrain shape and that from what i understand now is where you're more likely to find the deep dark is where those values are higher 
And so I discovered the deep dark by flying to the top of a mountain and just looking down because there was a crater in the top of this mountain that led down through the stone layers, through an abandoned mine shaft to a deep dark that had an ancient city at the bottom of it. And I, wow. I could not have been happier with that as far as like my video production schedule. I was like, instantly all systems go. Like, let's, let's go in here. Let's do deep dark one episode. Let's do ancient city another episode. And it was, it was fun. It was chaotic, but it was very, very fun. Um, I'm now splitting off into some of the smaller features but features that i can dedicate like an entire day's worth of messing with uh so i've done frogs uh that was today's video on the channel um i'm musing on ways to farm some of the newer blocks like we talked about mud and we'll get onto mud and the accessibility of it uh, the availability of it the approachability of it a little bit later um but that's that's a fun challenge and um i just uh did an episode i've recorded an episode today about a laze uh so i found a pillager outpost on the way to the mountain that had the deep dark under it and thought okay earmark that for later and then i found a woodland mansion completely separately like i said when i was looking for a for a mangrove swamp so i'm now working with a laze as well i'm not taking the slow approach that you are taking joel right. um but but i am trying to go as in-depth as possible on some of these features and it still feels like so much of the stuff that's been added in this update is kind of like it's got surface level stuff that you can do with it once you find it you can start working with this stuff immediately but it's also going to have knock-on implications for how you play the rest of this update it's going to be like what are you using a laze for a little bit further down the line frogs have the frog light thing of like where do you set up your frog light farm you're going to be using mangrove for a lifetime because it's a new wood type and everybody loves different wood types so I think there's there's a lot in this update that I think is going to last beyond just the initial one week rush of the update is new. What is all the things that it has? Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, diving into more of it. And I think that's true of, of your series too. Like as a tutorial series with the Survival Guide Season Two, like you just you want to go out, experience a new thing, get the bullet points out, say this is what it looks like, this is how you get it, this is what it's good for, and those are the, just the surface notes. But like it's it's really going to be like the idea that pops into your head in three weeks you know, as to yeah. how to use a skulk sensor for something or, uh, you know, frog lights or like whether it's decorating with the new blocks or whether it's something new function that you just hadn't thought of. Or, um, I mean, I know I watched your frog video uh, this morning and and thinking about like, you know, the discussion we've had on, on the show about efficiency in farms versus fun in farms. Like if you want to mm -hmm. make a frog powered slime farm, you can. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, like if absolutely. that's something you want to witness. Um, and it is pretty cool when they lash out with their tongues. It almost it almost looks like a like a kung fu strike. Like I don't get the <laughs> I don't get the like when a frog eats a fly, like you get the idea that, you know, you ever see those slow motion nature documentaries where like the tongue mm -hmm. comes out and it sticks the bug and then it brings the bug back in and then the frog munches on it. But in this, it's more like the tongue comes out like a sword, <laughs> evaporates yeah. the slime, and then a slime ball is just kind of like left in its place. It happens mm -hmm. so fast. You can't really yeah. see what's going on. Um, it uh, it would be really funny if the frogs actually like got bigger by like 50% for half a second, like as if they swallowed the slime. I think that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just, or it just ends up in like a cheek pouch somehow. Yeah. No, yeah. The, the frogs have such character like they're so fun to work with and we'll we'll talk more about those in a second but um speaking of the bullet points we might as well give you folks the bullet points because it's time to get into the news 
spoilers the wild update is here um is the main thing uh yes uh we'll link to the minecraft.net article announcing the update's official release along with a changelog for both java edition and bedrock edition um and we'll run down the bullet points here just quickly even though we've been talking about these features since snapshots have been rolling out and so forth so there is a mangrove swamp biome mangrove trees mangrove blocks mud and mud brick blocks clay is now renewable frogs and tadpoles are in the game the deep dark biome has been added along with ancient cities there is a darkness effect that you can get in those ancient cities there is a disc fragment uh, which adds up to music disc 5 once you get enough of them the echo shard and the recovery compass have been added the swift sneak enchantment is a loot thing that you'll find in the deep darks ancient cities uh you also find skulk skulk veins skulk shriekers and skulk catalysts uh skulk sensors are now available in survival which isn't a bullet point here but should be uh the warden is added the allay is added we have chest boats now i refuse to say boat with chest regardless of what is written here um <laughs> they've added goat horns they've added new music leaves are now waterloggable on java edition the main menu background now, show, now shows a wild update panorama. There are a few minor changes to minecarts with chests, furnaces, TNT, and hoppers. They now drop as themselves when they break instead of splitting into their component parts. The predictability of a number of different gameplay elements has been improved. So the placement and velocity of things drop from droppers and dispensers, items spawn from containers when they are destroyed, uh, randomized follow range component attributes for mobs, the velocity of horses spawned from skeleton traps, blazes random positions and the randomized speed of their projectiles, randomized portions of damage and velocity of arrows, randomized flight patterns and fireworks, and bobbing patterns and the time until a fish appears for fishing rods are all now more consistent or less extreme in some of their randomness. Also, explosions caused by player ignited tnt now cause experience to drop from broken blocks such as ore and skulk blocks obviously there's a lot more detail available in the official change logs so do recommend going and checking all of that stuff out if you want to know the finer detail and the nitty-gritty of minecraft 1.19 the wild update in other news and i mean other news minecraft legends has been announced what <laughs> there is a new strategy game coming from uh minecraft in 2023 quote minecraft legends is a unique action strategy game it has strategy elements at its core but its mechanics are inspired by the immersion of action games players will explore the familiar yet in many ways new overworld in third person perspective you will defend peaceful settlements and fight hordes of piglins to stop the spread of their nether corruption you are the center of every battle you lead fighting alongside your allies while giving them directions the trailer premiered on xbox and bethesda's conference on sunday june 12th mojang studios is partnering with blackbird interactive who previously worked on minecraft or so that came out of nowhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, we thought the 119 release was going to be the only news and uh mojang really doubled down um so so let's talk about legends first because obviously we're going to be spending the majority of the discussion talking about 119 um so sort of like the minecraft dungeons announcement really this was like wait a minute they're doing what with minecraft and i think it's it's kind of neat to see where they're taking it the like the, the the logical steps they take in terms of we need to expand the minecraft universe of sorts we need to expand like what else we can do with minecraft as a as a property while still keeping a lot of the 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 fun vibe that the core minecraft has and obviously not channeling too much away from the core minecraft experience 
And this one seems to have a pretty unique gameplay style. It even has building elements, which dungeons lacked for obvious reasons. It was a very combat-focused experience. This seems to be more of a balance, but honestly, I'm kind of curious to see how gameplay works, because even after this trailer, I can't quite get a read on what this is as a gameplay experience. Like, I've played a few real-time strategy kind of games like StarCraft and Age of Empires and stuff like that, but this is that, but more of like a Dynasty Warriors, kind of you're attacking hordes of enemies, you're riding on a horse and swinging a sword, and it, it focuses on you as an individual character rather than controlling a whole bunch of units. And it looks, if, if anything, the game it reminds me of is the um, the Jack Black heavy metal game Brutal Legend. <laughs> it kind oh, of yeah. looks a little bit like that to me. But that's the only comparison I can draw because I've not really in, like invested or uh, immersed in this kind of video game so do you do you have any any other examples of games that it reminded you of when you saw the uh the trailer so the first impression which i regret to say is not a good one so i'm gonna i'm gonna reserve any you know harsh judgments for a deeper look at the gameplay but on the surface it reminds me a lot of the endless ads that i see for mobile rts games uh-huh. and i and i think that's just because minecraft is such a simple graphic style like you've got the blocky designs and everything's got pixelated textures and stuff like that and i think that combined with it's, it's it's like a um, I'm not sure how to describe it. It's it's like a a flat animation style rendering where like despite the fact that they're 3D models, they have like a black outline. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like cell shaded a little bit. Cell like, shaded, um, like borderlands. not quite Borderlands level, but like along yeah. the same lines. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have the Borderlands detail, but like the yeah. same sort of experience in lighting, but then the flatness of it. You see a lot of indie games kind of use this in in stuff. I see indie games like this on Xbox Game Pass all the time that have this kind of aspect to it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I, the trailer looked cool, but most of the trailer was was cinematic. cinematic. Like it was it yeah. was it was animated, so like you, it's hard to really tell what it's going to be like and i don't get me wrong i like a good rts like i'm a starcraft guy forever have have you know stopped playing just for time constraints and the ladder and stuff became frustrating but i really enjoyed the game and i enjoyed the story because starcraft has got a really good story with it um but one other thing that came to mind given the hero and you kind of like telling other units what to do but then also controlling a very specific unit you know as your hero was um I think it's Warcraft three. Yeah. So mm -hmm. predecessors to Starcraft, you had these big hero units like Arthas and I don't remember the other characters because it's been a really long time, but you could basically grab like these big powerful units, the hero characters, like flying around with a superhero that also has an army with you. And, and that kind of stuff is, is the kind of gameplay that this reminds me of, but obviously it's not all top down. It's third person. So you're kind of behind your character and up a little bit, not like a top down strategy. And I don't know, like, I mean, I like the top-down strategy stuff, you know, um, like you said, um, Age of Empires and that kind of thing. So I, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where I land on it in terms of game playing and graphics, because again, we haven't seen much. But uh, what I do like is the idea of another game bringing some Minecraft legends and potentially lore that... yeah may not be bible but we'll just kind of like entice the imagination and say like look this is i mean the article says something about you know it's just an idea this is what the overworld maybe looked like before 
players and zombies and skeletons were enemies. It's like, wait a minute. You mean you get to fight alongside zombies? Like, you mean you get to tell creepers (laughs) to run in kamikaze style and blow people up because they're your friends and that was what they do? Like, it seems like a cool idea. That is kind of the impression that I got from the trailer. Like, the hero is effectively rallying everything in the overworld. And they're kind of, they're riding a horse at lightning speed past these kind of zombies and, and creepers and stuff like that. But the effect you get is you're effectively, like, leading them all into battle because the piglins are sort of the opposing force mm-hmm. here. And yeah, it, it does say in the in the Minecraft.net article, the events you'll take part in are neither fact nor fiction. They are just part of a tale that has been passed down from villager to villager. So it's kind of like a... Um, uh, I, the, the thing I'm thinking of for some reason is Max Brooks's World War Z, uh, where it's like it's it's told as though it's a documentary, but it's like a, a documentary about a fictional zombie war that happened. It's kind of like the same the same sort of thing. Like this isn't necessarily part of Minecraft canon, but it's told in a way that is still going to be immersive to the player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all for it. You know, like I think that it's um, admirable that they're throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks and. Um, because it's difficult to get these kind of stories across in Minecraft, I think that these other places are good spots to do it. I mean, Minecraft Dungeons included. I know Minecraft Dungeons is not the world that we play in in Minecraft, but it has that same sort of vibe, obviously. And I mean, I think I look at Illagers differently in Minecraft now that I've played Minecraft Dungeons. And I don't know about yeah. you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I and I feel like, you know, maybe we'll look at piglins differently after we encounter them (laughs) in in this. I mean, something that I I think that it's going to be an inevitable um, uh, feedback loop is that whenever I see stuff like this that has either more robust models, better animation or just newer stuff in it, uh, even if the game isn't something that I'm that interested in, when I saw those piglins come through the portal, even if even knowing that it's an animated trailer, I'm just like, how come piglin brutes don't look like that in Minecraft? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't have to move quite as crazily, but like even just having that kind of armor and a great big hammer with them. Like, I yeah. feel like you you could do more with what we currently have in Minecraft as far as like, it really feels like the new mobs we get are just like, standard zombie skeleton forms with like different different models like oh piglins have a football shaped head okay (laughs) like and they're they're different and cool but like how cool would it be if they actually came in some different sizes and and stuff like that and i i don't think you'd be taxing the minecraft performance by just creating different models that still walk around like they do now like i'm not saying i understand that minecraft can't have like you know crazy physics and and none of the characters are ever going to have knees i'd imagine that's probably like a a design bible (laughs) thing Um, yeah but but just like the things that don't move and don't matter like shoulder pads and a helmet like stuff like that really kind of make the that piglin brute when they came through the the portal was like this is cool this reminds me of like you know gremlins or or you know any kind of like movie from the 80s or 90s where like swarms of bad guys were kind of coming at you with glowing eyes and the glowing eyes in the piglin was really fun i thought i thought that was kind of a neat especially when you know it's the little ones because <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. the eyeballs are so close to the ground and they're moving with like really quick steps you're like that's dangerous but that's like we dangerous <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, it, it definitely has a more, it's got a more colourful, kind of saturated, cartoony art style. It, it's even more cartoony than Dungeons is. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And you, you you look at what they've done with, like, the zombie and skeleton and creeper characters, and they look extra squishy. They're not, they're not like, proportioned the way they are in, in vanilla Minecraft. They're not, like, as blocky. The, the edges are rounded off a little bit. And yes, so I noticed that's... that on the villagers. The villagers' heads yeah. have got rounded domes on them. And and that's kind of cute. Like it's it's got a a kind of visual appeal that is different from core Minecraft and kind of sets the tone for it, um, which is kind of neat. And yeah, the the trailer obviously has a lot of detail in it that is there as set dressing, like with Minecraft Dungeons, where we won't find all of these diverse flowers and you know more organic looking grass and stuff coming to vanilla Minecraft. But I'm sure people will keep asking for it. And there's a few things in that trailer that I'm like. You know, they've got a yellow Alley flying around alongside a blue one. Yeah. What's that about? Like, is there is there anything to, like, pull out of that? Or is that just going to be like, well, these are just kind of... They, they they fly around, they're just cute little characters. It doesn't really matter. It's just to make the world more more colourful and feel a little bit more diverse. I'm, I'm curious to see if they end up doing stuff like with the uh, Minecraft Live mob vote where they had a mob from Dungeons and a couple from Minecraft Earth when the Glow Squid oh, got right. voted in. I'm yeah. kind of wondering if maybe a few of these ideas that are going into Minecraft Legends are earmarked for additions to Minecraft, potentially voted in by the community if the community gets behind a specific mob design or something like that. Yeah, there's a couple of mobs I didn't even recognize in terms of the, mm. the trailer. I only watched it the once. I have to go back and watch it, watch it again in, in more detail. But um, I, I noticed the LAs right away. And I understand that there's limitations because of the fact that they have to interact with players in Minecraft. But I, they were moving in the trailer like I had imagined they were going to move in game. And um, I kind of wonder if if it would be possible to just keep everything about the LAs the same as they are in 119 right now. But if you added the wing animation to be that cool flutter from the trailer instead of the weird kind of like slow limp flap they have right now, I think they would feel way more alive, especially now like that a they... hummingbirds kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, especially now that they dance, like especially now that like when you put a record in a, in a jukebox, they, they're going to be able to dance. I, I yes. think that that's I think that that's. Um, I think that's something that would better suit them. Like it's higher energy. Like to me, they they, they kind of move around, not like a turtle because they're faster than that, but like they kind of, for something that can fly, they feel really slow. And I feel like just improving the animation on the LA would give the feeling of stuff being faster. And trailers like this remind me of like, you know, you see the big cinematic trailers for things like World of Warcraft, which are all like CG film quality, like animation. And then mm. you go to play World of Warcraft and it looks very different. It's a huge disparity. So people are not really disappointed when they go into World of Warcraft because they understand that the cinematic is just that's not what gameplay looks like. But I find it's tricky with these Minecraft trailers, dungeons included, because the art style is so similar and the graphics are on like they're on a different level, but they're not that outside of the box that I I find so often I see stuff like this and and my brain just kind of goes, I want that in Minecraft. I want that in Minecraft too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's it's hard to turn that off because they're so close. Do you find that because of their like, because of their low poly and then there's the the simplicity of the cartoon designs and and in games like this, like legends, do you find that your brain just kind of like tricks into like, I really want this in Minecraft? 
Yeah, sometimes. It, it really depends. Like, I I think having done this podcast for nearly 200 episodes now, I'm, I'm also very good at keeping that side of my brain in check and going, mm. you know what? What value will this actually bring? Is it just that you want a pretty thing in the game? Or, like, you know, what's the, mm-hmm. what's the actual value it's going to bring to vanilla Minecraft? Just, like, getting into that mindset now through uh, having digested so many ideas and so many changes to the game in such detail over the last little while. Um, before we move on from it, actually, you touched on something that wasn't included in our news read because uh, there was so much else going on, but it it didn't entirely fly under the radar. Um, there's another beta out for Minecraft Bedrock Edition, another beta and preview, which has added a mechanic that allows us to duplicate allays. Um, so that's something that's not present in the base release of 119, but will hopefully be in Java Edition 119.1 as well when that arrives. Uh, whereby if you have an Allay dancing near a jukebox, which is something they will do, if you put a record on, they will dance like parrots do, and then if you hand them an amethyst shard, they effectively clone themselves. It's a kind of similar, like, you know, to Shulker duplication, it's like the the mitosis kind of thing. They're not breeding with another mob, they are kind of dividing in half and becoming two Allays, um, which is cool, because that allows us to have a reproducible Allay in case anything happens to the existing ones that you have or in case you're on a multiplayer server where it's very difficult to get hold of them because one person has gone to all of the woodland mansions in the area or you know you got unlucky and your pillager outposts didn't have any um you know any any allays in the cages on the outside so i think it's good that that mechanic has been worked on and that's obviously something that's come from a lot of player feedback may have been an idea they were throwing around and just couldn't work into the 1.19 full release um but it's great that we're getting it in a uh, a dot one update yeah i i think that that i mean when i saw that you could duplicate them and um given how rare they are and and like what you said you know you have to go to you found a woodland mansion just by chance because your your mangrove swamp was so far away mm-hmm. um i feel like the ability to be able to duplicate them is is a welcome change and it's not hard it's not easy but it's not hard you know, to, to do it. Um, I watched the Exumavoid video on, on the, the changes. And, uh, one thing that I was glad that he covered was that if an allay is holding an item, that item does not duplicate. It's only the allay yeah that mm-hmm. that is duplicated <laughs> i expect that was probably the first thing a lot of people tried mm-hmm. especially especially considering there was confusion about whether the allay would duplicate items when it was initially announced uh for the mob vote so that's uh that's good to clarify for sure um one last thing before we move on to emails um and and this is kind of coming off the back of um the community reaction to 1.19 which i think i hope the uh bandwagon element of the negativity we saw is starting to give way a little and think people can still share our opinions about this update and its content but i do want to encourage people to make sure it's constructive otherwise it has very little value to the community or the developers Um, But the other thing I want to dissuade people from doing is imagining that Minecraft Legends is somehow something that has siphoned effort away from development on the core vanilla Minecraft thing. Because once again, this is straying into, you are writing fan fiction about the development team. (laughs) You don't know whether or not that is the case, and it's best not to assume that, especially considering they pointed out in the... Uh, minecraft.net post that they're partnering with an external studio and basically handing over the minecraft ip to them under their supervision and saying 
make us a game worthy of Minecraft. <laughs> and I, I don't want anybody to go into this assuming that like, oh, this is the reason that I think the wild update sucks is because they were making another game that I don't care about. That's mm-hmm. probably not the case. And please don't go into this with that kind of cynical mentality because I am I'm 99.9% sure that is not the case at all. Yeah, they're the same developer that did Minecraft Earth. They are, yes. Yeah, and that's super encouraging because even though Minecraft Earth was a short-lived project all in all, um, and there are a variety of reasons for that that we've covered in a few shows, especially when Minecraft Earth was finally uh, sunset, I think Minecraft Earth was a really cool experience. Like, what I played of it, I absolutely loved. And it was just unfortunate that it came out at a time when people weren't able to play it more. And, and so I think the, the, the folks who are making this Blackbird Interactive have a pretty good pedigree with this genre that they're tackling with Minecraft Legends. And so I really think this is going to be uh, an interesting experience to keep an eye on. And I'm looking forward to whatever comes out in terms of, you know, playable demos, early access betas, or just the full game, if that's what we're getting. Um, I, I want to see more. I'm looking forward to seeing more. Yeah, they did um, Hard Space uh, Shipbreaker, which is a similar kind of like mine and collect. I mean, it's a sci-fi thing, Um, Mm -hmm. but there's other kind of like, you know, collect things, build things, a lot of uh, Crossfire Legion, a lot of like, you know, strategy games. Um, Again, they all seem to be um, more modern graphics and stuff. But I think the other thing to remember, too, is is that um, Minecraft is a unique star in its longevity uh, as a game. And uh, things like Minecraft um, Earth and perhaps even Minecraft Legends are not meant to be 10 year, 12 year long projects, you know, like yeah, they're, they're meant to be experiences and probably with a beginning, middle and an end, you know, compared to Minecraft. Because like when Mojang looks at like, well, we want a long term sandbox game. We have one, <laughs> you know, we don't need another one. Uh, and I think that it's very easy for some players to kind of like take that Minecraft like unique experience and try to force it into these other experiences which is not the case like i don't think i don't think that's the intention behind them at all yeah it's very much like i paid for this game once 10 years ago why can't i do that for every game it's like because not every game is going to be that and there are very (laughs) few games out there that i think can be vanilla minecraft at this point agreed our email this week will kick off with Cecil Ross. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. First email, of course, uh, coming in from Cecil. Subject is ancient city accessibility. Hello, Johnny and Joel. I'm sure you've been receiving many emails about people's thoughts on the ancient cities and the warden. I was super excited for this update. It came with a plan of mine to hollow out an ancient city. However, I found some accessibility barriers. First, for me, part of the randomly generated structures is an ice room with a completely hidden skulk shrieker. I actually summoned the warden and died twice in this room before resorting to spectator mode to find the secret shrieker. It feels rather mean-spirited to me to include a shrieker that you have to trigger in order to destroy it, let alone how you'd even figure out it was there in the first place. My second issue is with the lighting in ancient cities. Maybe it's just my laptop's screen, but it is impossible to see. Even with the brightness all the way up, I find that the color and the borderless design of Skulk really absorbs the surrounding light. My idea for fixing problem one and for making problem two less dangerous is uh, to the player would be to toggle a data pack 
or a setting in the game that would add glowing effects to the skulk shriekers and sensors. I don't know how difficult this would be to implement since the glow effect is usually only used on entities rather than blocks, but it definitely wouldn't have helped with me and my poor eyesight and slow processing speed. I'm excited to hear what you think. Cecil Ross was slain by the warden many times, but he had keep inventory on. Ha, smart. <laughs> I like the way you think. Um, yeah, so I I think this is likely to be a common experience. I know a lot of people are going to be playing this on, you know, laptop screens, on mobile devices, on the kind of stuff that, yeah, you're, you're not going to be playing in the ideal gaming environment a lot of the time. Or there's going to be other stuff going on around you, reflections on your TV screen if you're playing on console or, or whatever it happens to be. So I can I can see a few people having a similar issue to to Cecil here, and the the first part with the completely hidden skulk shrieker, I think that is largely speaking down to luck, and I'm not sure if the shrieker placement is even dictated by your world seed because I've loaded up a separate copy of a, a, a world seed a couple of different times and found that sometimes stuff is in different places. So I think it's more on world generation; it sort of randomly assigns places for them but i do agree i'd like to see a few restrictions on shrieker generation because sometimes they just spawn in places that you you have very little hope of finding yeah that's what my take on it was you know bad luck as well and um mm -hmm. it, it makes you wonder whether there's something that could be done in terms of shrieker placement in the same way that trees have to have a certain amount of space around them maybe shrieker placement has to have a certain amount of air blocks around them so that they're not like completely hidden behind blocks that you can't see through um, mm -hmm. or if they are hidden behind blocks that you can't see through that, um, that then blocks the sound. But as we know, the only thing that blocks sound right now is wool. So, uh, I feel like there has to be some sort of solution for that. I, I, I feel like if it was happening a lot, we'd be hearing about it more, uh, although it's only been a week. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that's necessarily malicious design <laughs> meant to frustrate no. people. Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. But I, I mean, I hear you on on the darkness stuff. Like I find um, even just me being used to having um, Optifine uh, a couple of updates ago, this last 118 I've been working with um, with sodium. So I don't have the offhand torch light. Like I, you know, they don't emit light. Neither like does my bow. Dynamic lighting. Dynamic yeah. lighting. The dynamic lighting mod that I found for fabric, the one that I found was the best also was laggy and I just, I couldn't mm -hmm. play with it. So um, I don't know how Optifine does it so well because I've never had that experience playing with Optifine, but um, everything else works better with sodium. So that's why I'm there. Um, however, uh, I can appreciate the fact that, you know, some of the darker places in the world are going to be uh, hard uh, to see around. I mean, on one hand, I feel like there could be an accessibility slider or something like that that might help. I know that the they have an accessibility slider for the darkness effect, but that's the effect of like the shriekers calling the warden and when the warden arrives, I think. It kind of like when, when that pulsing of darkness yes. happens, that, yeah. that's what the slider controls. It's not yeah. how dark it gets. Yeah, yeah, it's not how dark it gets just exploring the world. I mean, and mm. as to like the the idea that skulk having no borders and absorbing all the light i think that's the point like i think yeah. that's by design um so i i think that maybe the solution there or you know i wonder how much feedback they're going to get because again it hasn't been out for very long but i feel like laptop screens i think you've mentioned mobile devices um yeah. like i have a problem with my my television uh, i have to shut curtains sometimes if i'm watching a dark sci-fi 
show uh and it's still light outside as it is late into the evening now because we're getting close to the summer solstice like i have to close my curtains because otherwise i'm just like why is there a tree in this oh it's the reflection of the outside you know <laughs> yeah, on yeah, my yeah. television screen and and in watching some videos you know um i haven't really watched much deep dark stuff but in watching any kind of like minecraft videos lately where there's been a lot of darkness i find that i'll end up seeing myself sitting on the couch reflected in the tv mm -hmm. and i can only imagine like as someone that has an iphone and an ipad like those are very reflective screens it's hard to yeah. get any work done in a sunny cafe so i'd imagine if you were playing on a mobile device you know on, on bedrock or something like that that the deep dark might be might be frustrating if you're getting a lot of refract ref uh, refractions and reflections uh, there's a podcaster mouthful for you, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, on one hand, like you said, it's, it's like, it's by design, but like, I feel like there's going to be some feedback from players that are not enjoying the experience because the other solution, which is the extreme is to take a night vision potion. And then they're just, you're Boom. defeating all you're like, exactly. I, I'm, I'm baiting you on purpose. Like, but you're because then you're defeating all purpose of the, of the deep dark, right? Like it's like yeah. walking into a, it's like walking into like a haunted Halloween exhibit and turning all the lights on because <laughs> yeah. then it all then, oh it's a bunch of plastic and rubber this is fine you know yeah exactly and anybody who is in our discord for the spawn chunks and has watched my recent videos has heard the night vision potion rant twice uh because i i refuse to drink a night vision potion in an ancient city i think it ruins the experience but i entirely sympathize with cecil's uh plight here because like maybe it's the youtube creator talking here but i feel like the brightness slider should go up further i am having to boost the gamma value of the footage in editing some of this deep dark footage mostly wow. so that it will read on youtube and not be a, an artifacted mess as video compression works its evil magic and makes it all streamable in 4k but i i i find that even i'm exploring it myself on my own pc monitor it's fine but then i move the footage into my editing software and i'm like yeah this is dark people aren't going to be able to see what's going on here and so mm. i'm boosting the gamma by like three points or so until it gets to a reasonable kind of um a reasonable kind of perceived brightness and i believe there are a few data packs like i think even xylephian from the mojang team published a data pack a while back which adjusted the gamma based on the on-screen data you were looking at and so if you were in a darker cave it automatically adjusted the gamma for you but it was a performance hawk and it was unfortunate that it was because you know if you didn't have a beefier setup it wasn't going to be of any benefit to you and arguably this is going to be of most benefit to people who aren't playing on beefier setups to begin with because you're probably not as in as much control of your environment as well um many many games i've found are intended to be played on the medium brightness setting and have a decent range on either side if you played a modern game recently you've probably gone through one of those sort of calibration tests at the beginning of a game where it says yeah okay here's a, a light logo on one side and a dark logo on the other side adjust things until you can barely see the dark logo but the bright logo is still perfectly visible and once you've done that that's the brightness that you set up and it's usually like maybe a couple of points to the left or to the right but it's usually straight down the middle whereas i wouldn't play most of them on the highest brightness setting as far as minecraft goes i wouldn't play on anything but the highest brightness setting and there are still some sections where it feels too dark and so i do wonder if something's got to change about the way that is like i i don't know enough about minecraft under the hood to know if it's possible to just add a couple of extra points to that brightness slider and shift the range a little bit but i do think yeah it, it, it feels like it's meant to be a dark environment but it's 
kind of overkill for what you want to do with it afterwards. And that's really where player placed light sources and stuff like night vision potions are probably what people are going to resort to. And it still leaves you with, you know, the the problem we had before when we had to spam torches every, you know, seven blocks or so. It's like, you know, the lighting all ends up feeling very even. You lose some of the atmosphere, but for the sake of actual visibility in game. I play on 30% brightness because if I play on full brightness, I feel like the grass is burning a hole into the back of my skull. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I am curious if the solution to this is either a technical solution where they adjust the lighting or they adjust the slider or they give players more control of the back end, or if it ends up being a gameplay solution. Like, you know, we've talked before about having an arrow that is sticky or a, a torch or something that you can throw that emits light. You know when it lands you know like something like a, a sticky torch or something like that um I'm, i'd be curious to see if like the solution to the deep dark is too dark if enough players say like look i'm not enjoying this like can we do something about it i'm wondering if it's if if the solution that's put forth is either like a back-end technical fix or if it's like a gameplay fix like okay you find it too dark we don't want to adjust all this technical stuff but like we could give you a torch or we can give you something that might that might help right yeah i mean maybe it an idea to be worked on for the future who knows like once once we're all used to the deep dark and we've been fumbling around in it for a while maybe mojang can uh, step in and put us out of our misery we will see um let's move on to our next email because then we've got the main discussion uh this one comes in from blood count and the subject is the boss of bosses hello guys so i've had a theory about the ancient city portal frame for a while now that i'm surprised i haven't heard anyone else hypothesize when i think of a warden it makes me think of the head guard at a prison and considering it's clear that the new warden in minecraft does not want players messing about in ancient cities i feel it could be hinting that he could be guarding a possible prisoner that he really doesn't want released Pairing this with the clear intention that the developers don't want the Warden to be killed, could it be that the Warden is actually the good guy, trying to prevent players from releasing a new mob via the Ancient City Gateway? This theory would mean the Ancient City Portal is not actually one intended for the player to enter, but rather for something more sinister to exit, coming back through from its cell to the overworld. We'd love to hear your feedback. As always, love the show. Blood Count barely escaped the Minor Gorgon as he accidentally summoned it from its dark prison cell. Nerd cred, Stranger Things reference, two points. <laughs> is that what that is? I'm sorry. Yes. I, I'm going to put my hand up here and say I'm not with it. I haven't watched any of Stranger Things. So, oh, but... as a D&D player, man, you need to. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. I got you. Yeah. It, it's mostly sci-fi and 80s references, but there's a little bit of horror mixed in too. But re yeah. really, as a D&D player, basically, for the for a quick explanation, there are monsters that happens in Stranger Things. No one knows what the heck to call them. But because all the kids play D&D, &D, they just give them D&D &D names. Oh, so the nice. Demo okay. The Demogorgon is, is, the, is the bad monster thing from like the first season. Uh, right. Or that's what they call it. You know, because as humans, we don't know what the heck to call the thing. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Uh -huh. Which is so kids just they need to call it something. Otherwise, they have this weird thing they have to talk about for the whole series that they can't put a name on. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 It's like, but, what, do, what do we call this? Like this mysterious eldritch horror that uh, yeah. has no name from the it, darkness yeah. beyond space or whatever. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So uh, but I, I like this theory of the warden being uh, a, a good guy, quote unquote, like he's not bad. He's just misunderstood. <laughs> in, uh, input. Are we the baddies meme? You know? <laughs> yeah. It reminds Definitely. me of uh, of the growl from the 
Hulk in Edward Norton's um, Incredible Hulk movie where he he's in the the processing plant in South America. And he, he kind of you can hear him kind of say, like, go away as he kind of like mm-hmm. grumbles and stomps around. And I just I like that idea that the the warden is so dedicated to protecting this prisoner and keeping the prisoner at bay that he will murder anyone that comes by. <laughs> like I'm saving you a much worse death by just stomping you into oblivion right now. Trust me. It's like, well, mm-hmm. like it's this, this feels imbalanced, you know? Um, but it's a cool idea. Uh, you know, I, especially given that we don't, we don't know. Uh, I mean, Mojang is obviously planning for something in the future. I mean, I, I refuse to believe that the giant box in the middle of an ancient city is a troll, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, yeah. given given how some of them act on Twitter, who knows? But um, no, I, I I agree. I do think it's it's there for something. It's there to set up, yeah, lore and you know, fan speculation, and who knows? Maybe one day it will do something. Um, but I think the 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 idea of it being yes like uh, something that you you open pandora's box and let evil out into the world like i think we even talked about this a little while ago with um i compared it to terraria's hard mode where effectively you descend into the underworld of terraria you beat a boss and then hard mode happens and suddenly the entire game gets refreshed with new content and all of the challenges on the surface are much Mm. harder again like you're effectively playing the game from the beginning but you have all of your equipment already and um yeah i i think it's probably unlikely that that kind of level of reshuffle is going to happen for minecraft because that's huge that's bigger than caves and cliffs it's bigger than everything but i like the idea of it being a boss or something like that some kind of massive world changing kind of experience happening but the two problems with that is a i'm not sure what i would want to fight if the battleground is an ancient city because i already don't want to fight the warden there to begin with um and if it's something the size of that portal comes out then it's going to be a heck of a, a boss battle if that if a boss battle is what it is and secondly it would have to be harder to fight than the warden for it to have been either like you know held back by the warden in this way to begin with or for players to see it as you know enough of a challenge after the challenge of you know fighting or avoiding the warden to begin with because i know the idea is not necessarily to fight it but if anybody tries to they're going to have a heck of a challenge and then if something like the ender dragon came through that portal it'd be cool at first but they'd be like oh this thing's going down way easier than the warden did because <laughs> the warden has 500 hp and hits like a tank so it's got to be something like radically different to fighting something that just has a lot of health and a lot of firepower if it's a boss battle that they're they're triggering by by activating this thing i am i'm curious there are a number of directions they could take that because stuff doesn't always have to be a big you know hefty bullet sponge kind of challenge to make it entertaining and to make it a fun experience but it still has to feel like something radically different and something that is tough enough that the warden is supposed to be guarding it. I I like the idea that I think a, another listener had written in about with like the the ancient city portal, for the lack of a better word, um, is more of a vault. Um, mm-hmm. Like you get pulled through or like maybe a giant Minecraft cthulhu tentacle comes through and grabs you and <laughs> pulls you, you in yeah into this into this world but i like i mean there's opportunities to flip things on its head because everybody's expecting dark and dangerous and everybody's mind goes to boss fights which is fine um and i agree with you that another bullet sponge would not be what i would want and that's a great term by the way i've never heard that before but i know exactly what you mean 
Um, but I think going through the portal and having going completely sideways, you know, uh, like maybe it's the warden's homeworld or home, home dimension and everything is like wonderful rainbows, lollipops and sunshine. <laughs> A very good bait and switch, I think, at that point. Yeah. And the warden just knows how destructive and, and abusive the Minecraft player is enslaving animals and villagers to do your will and just doesn't want you in there. Just like, I don't want you to be part of my home. <laughs> don't, you know? don't come to my house. How dare yeah. you? <laughs> you know, yeah. or, you know, or it could also be like, maybe it's a bunch of pastel colors and rabbits and sunshine, but maybe everything in there is just mean. You just don't realize it. Like it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be something that looks like the warden for it to be dangerous. Like what if it's like vampire bunnies and, you know, <laughs> poisonous <laughs> flowers, you know, who knows? That's where the uh, the Monty Python killer bunny reference has been hiding the entire time after they took it out of the game. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, no, I, I like the idea. I like the fact that the, the rumor mill, the kind of the, the theory crafting is still happening around this ancient city portal. Because it's clearly what Mojang have been hoping players would do is take this idea and run with it. And whether that's, you know, generating interest in those ideas that Mojang can decide later on what they're going to do with it. Or if they have something in mind, which I hope they do. Um, but they're just trying to see how many people are, you know, batting a thousand and how many people are way off the mark. It's going to be, it's going to be fun when, to look back on this period when, uh, something ends up happening with that portal, if anything. Um, but now let's move on to talk about the wild update because we have both spent some time in it. We had a bit of a chat about that in our news segments, but now we've had time to digest some of these features in our survival worlds, in their element and in a little bit more detail. What is our experience so far? Joel Duggan, you have the floor. So my experience is going to remain in the overworld because I haven't done the deep dark. I haven't done the ancient city. I haven't done the warden, stuff like that. So my focus has mostly been just on exploring and looking for new blocks and trying to build with them and what that experience is like. And uh, the mangrove biome, mangrove swamp biome is a really unique looking place. And I'm impressed by how different it looks considering it is the second swamp that we have in the game. And uh, I find that it was easy to spot because of the mud blocks that are so dark against surrounding biomes. Mm -hmm. um, the swamp that we found, the mangrove swamp we found was next to a desert. So like it was, it stood out like a sore thumb yeah. uh, to, to be honest. Um, but it had like some, some really wide waterways through it. It had some, uh, because it's all 118 generated chunks, it had some really cool topography changes where like there's a big sinkhole in the middle of the river that has all these waterfalls going around it, uh, which could lead down into caves. We didn't really explore below because I was mostly looking for mud and mangroves, but I just was really blown away by how green and how dense it looked how visibly identifiable it was because I had Elytra looking for it um, mm -hmm. in the same way that you can identify a, a dark oak forest immediately because it looks like a bunch of flat tops, right? Um, the mangrove trees have a unique kind of topography to the top of them. They're not flat by any means. And so you can spot them quite, quite easily. Um, and I think, as you mentioned, there's um, bees and stuff uh, in them as well. So you can kind of see that kind of thing happening. Um, but the next thing that I noticed about them was traversing them. The experience of being in there with the very different watercolor, mangrove roots everywhere, you kind of have to watch where you're going so you're not kind of going over your head in in water, which was nice. Like I, I liked that I was either in water so deep you had to swim or I was walking on mud. I wasn't constantly walking through these one block, one wide deep 
blocks of water that were just constantly tripping you up like mm-hmm. in a regular swamp the mangrove swamp was you're more kind of like ducking under roots or trying to figure out a way to walk around the tree and i want to tip my hat like i find that that experience was just dense enough to for it to be a fun puzzle where you know you just you cannot walk in a straight line you're going to have to meander around but i did not hit a lot of dead ends or bonking my forehead on stuff i even had some really cool opportunities where i couldn't walk under the tree root until i went up to my knees in water went under the tree root and then popped out the other side and then kept on going like it just it really felt like an an interesting authentic kind of like hiking in the wilderness experience and i really enjoyed my first exploration of of mangrove swamp Um, there were frogs everywhere i must have seen six to eight white frogs in a 10 to 15 block radius like they were just all over the place um very easy to spot because they stayed out so much against the against the mm-hmm. the green in the, in the mud um but i i uh i did experience some odd things as well now this is unique to us because we're a server that's been around for five years and i had to trim chunks for 117 and 118 and as a result the the terrain wasn't generated but i think the the mob selection was still the same so there was a lot of tree sheep <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if this is a, this is a I, new. Uh, I think I was in. Mob. I was in your chat for the tree sheep, and I was like, "Yeah, this <laughs> this seems like it should not have happened." Some people were like, "Wait, a mangrove leaves spawnable?" I was like, "No, nah, I think they've probably just had you know mountain terrain there at some point, and it's been cut out, and the sheep have remained even though the terrain has changed." Exactly, exactly. So that that was a unique experience because, and you did. I didn't see them at first. It was like you're walking along and you're looking for frogs, and then you hear, bah, and you're like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, frogs don't do that." Um, so that that was fun. Um, but uh, you know, like I mean, that was the mangrove swamp experience. What's nice about the swamp that we found, like I mentioned, it's it's really large. Um, and in my experience, watching other people play, uh, yourself included, I've not seen people necessarily find small swamps i know they exist i think maybe one of my server um uh discord server friends has has a small small swamp uh, on their uh, single player world or experience but most of the time i'm seeing them they're coming very large and i think they're better experienced when they're large it's it's more fun when you can't see the other side of them uh i think um because i i found that they either look amazing or they look like a big green wall yeah yeah that that was i I said something like that on Twitter. I was like, if you're taking screenshots of a mangrove biome, they are either aesthetic perfe- perfection or total chaos. And there yeah. is no in between. They're like a picture postcard or they're just a green scribble. And yeah, I, I entirely agree. Like I, I, like you, I find the terrain really cool. I think the trees and the mud are pitch perfect. And yeah, I, I think the experience of exploring them is nicer than swamps because sometimes a swamp feels like you're wading through a bog instead of exploring a forest like you are with the mangrove swamp so i think that that does that does really work i also love when the mud reaches up the side of hills and cliffs and it looks really striking because of the contrast with stone a lot of the time and it's a lot darker as you were saying earlier that kind of dark bluish gray kind of tone it has to it that's closer to deep slate than it is to you know soul sand or whatever um i think it looks really cool um and I found kind of the opposite to you, actually. My mangrove swamp, when I first landed there, kind of felt like it was lacking in life. And there were a few bee nests in the trees here and there. I eventually found some frogs, but they were kind of hard for me to spot at ground level. So I clearly just landed where the frogs hadn't generated there. Um, and they might have been held back by passive mob spawns elsewhere because, yeah, I've got cows at spawn and that kind of thing. 
Um, the whole biome felt very quiet to me the first time I visited. And then later when I went back, I found, you know, there are tropical fish in the water and it felt a little bit better to me. But it sort of felt like nothing really but frogs and occasional hostile mobs is going to spawn there. And so it was going to be frogs or nothing. And the first time for me, it was nothing. If anything, it helped a little because I was really just there for the trees, but it did feel awfully quiet and I would have loved to hear more kind of like frog croaking in the background that were just, you know, not there and I, I couldn't see them. Um, in my opinion, fireflies would not have helped this. Um, I think a few clouds of insects wouldn't have solved the issue of this biome feels a little bit empty to me on the first viewing. And I think it's grown on me as I've gone back a couple of times and found the mobs that are naturally meant to spawn there, the bees, the frogs, and so forth. Um, but even the fact that there are a couple of bees buzzing around didn't really make it feel instantly alive. And I think it's really where some ambient sound design like the ambience of the nether would really go a long way. Like if there was a constant insect buzzing that wasn't necessarily tied to something that spawned in the world but was just kind of a bit of background noise, maybe a little bit of schlop schlop of the water against the banks of the the river or whatever. Like I, I would like that a lot more I think than just popping down a couple of clouds of insects. But you know, I, I may be in the minority there because I know people are still kind of feeling sad about fireflies oh no i'm with you you took you took the thought out of my head i was just thinking like bugs buzzing little peepers peeping you know like even cicada if it doesn't noises, happen yeah yeah like even if it doesn't happen all the noises. time yeah like put, putting it at sunset or putting it at first thing in the morning you know like just stuff like that would would be would add a lot i think to it um i was surprised because i took a couple of screenshots with shaders and i was surprised at how bright it was during the day. I was expecting it to be darker, but there's a lot more holes in the canopy than you ex anticipate. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but to your point about it being uh, dark in some places, uh, bring a bed. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. boy, <laughs> uh, do do your friends appear uh, quite quickly if you are uh, if you're not not careful. I had to AFK during a stream break, and I just kind of built myself a little mud hut, and then went AFK, and then came back and realized, oh crap. <laughs> I've just been here overnight uh, and everything in this giant biome has been spawning, um, been spawning mobs because like I was the only one on the server and I was there was nothing else for miles. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, I had um, a couple of creeper attempts that I didn't even see coming. Like talk mm -hmm. about camo like experts in this area, like good luck. Um, they look like mangrove leaves that are just moving. <laughs> like It's just it, it, it definitely caught me off guard. I didn't die, but I definitely got blown off a couple of perches. Which was funny. Um, as far as like, you know, um, while we're on mangrove um, stuff, like as far as gathering the trees and and farming them and stuff like that, what's been your experience so far? Uh, the propagules are pretty easy to collect in the wild. Once you get to a mangrove swamp, you find the ones that are fully grown and you can just pluck off the trees really easily. I think farming them was an interesting challenge because when I grew a couple of trees... I realized that the propagules weren't fully grown when I bone mealed a propagule and grew a full-sized tree. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. And I found over a longer farming session that I was getting more than I wasn't getting. You know, like if I broke some leaves before the propagule was fully grown, it wasn't going to drop anything, but I still ended up with a surplus that way. However... Um, I ended up putting together a machine that was going to bone meal the mangrove leaves for me and generate a propagule and then a couple of dispensers with extra bone meal underneath grows it to the adequate size. You could even, you know, if you put that on the right sort of clock, you can even 
automate the piston breaking it and then you have basically a propagule farm pretty much instantly and it's like farming sea pickles on coral or something like that it's 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 pretty straightforward to do um i love that they have unique sapling mechanics the trees themselves end up being kind of unpredictable uh and they fall somewhere between tall oaks and acacia trees on the annoying scale for wood farming but you get a decent amount of mangrove wood from each one it's not like a tall oak where you have maybe like 12 logs out of one tree and then the rest is just a puff of leaves like they've got some branches in there um and so i think i i managed to get a decent amount of mangrove wood um i ended up chopping wood for a few hours on stream and i was fine with it i didn't hate the experience by the end like i i end up like noping out of acacia farming quite early because i'm like no I'm, I'm just done with these trees they just kind of irritate me um so yeah i i like that i'm very pleased with the amount of root blocks that we get um the thing that threw me actually about growing them from propagules and with bone meal is that you'll bone meal the propagule it's on the ground and then when the tree grows it's growing propped up by those roots and the trunk of the tree starts like four or five blocks off the ground a lot of the time and so the propagule disappears and you end up bone mealing the grass <laughs> because you're like you're bone mealing something that just doesn't have anything there anymore and if you're looking at it on a diagonal the roots don't get in your way and yeah you, you just end up with you know growing tall grass and flowers everywhere if you're growing it on regular grass so i might actually start farming them on either mud or podzol so that i don't end up wasting bone meal just suddenly spamming some tall grass into existence that makes sense actually um have you tried growing one underwater or do you just always grow them on land um i tend to grow them on land just because i'm farming other trees throughout you know I'm, I'm typically doing a variety of trees when i do a longer tree chopping session and i just have one spot that i like to do it to keep everything contained uh, I've, gr I've tried growing a couple of them in the water just to prove that you can do it and you can do it and i can imagine some folks if you've got a conduit set up nearby maybe you'd want to grow them underwater because then you don't have to worry about getting up to the canopy of the tree in order to take the stuff away and get a couple of alays collecting the leaves for you from the surface so you don't have to worry about that and you know all of that's going in a composter somewhere and that'd work out pretty well i don't know if anybody's going to have a unique tree farming setup that is just a tank of water with mangrove trees growing in it but you never know some people might feel like doing that yeah, it could work. Uh, that someone, it wasn't me, but someone in my chat this weekend mentioned that. And it reminded me of the way that um, people farm uh, geodes. Uh, yeah, I know yeah, Cubfan did that on Hermitcraft. Yeah, where you've, you've, you float around because you've submerged the geodes so that you can easily get all the different, all the different crystals. Uh, I feel like um, for me, the, the mangrove trees, like there's, you hope I hope you like mangrove leaves because you get a lot, <laughs> so like many. a lot, a lot, yeah, a yeah, lot, yeah. which is fine because you can compost them and turn them into bone meal that you can use to grow more trees. So like if you if you if you once you get your shulker box full and you're good for a while, you can easily just collect them and turn them into compost. So if you're mm -hmm. going to make some sort of automated or semi-automated farm, then I, I think you'll be able to take advantage of, of the leaves. Um, I found um, because of the sheer amount of leaves, I wasn't paying attention and I broke a, a good pair of shears. So I've switched to using a, a silk touch hoe to get the leaves off of the trees. And as an experiment, because I really don't like the big oak trees in terms of farming them, uh, I, I stripped a mangrove tree naked down to the just the stump. Uh, and what I liked about it is that there's not a lot of those weird 45 degree angle connections 
mm-hmm. everything seems to be, or almost everything seems to be at a right angle in terms of the trunk and the branches. So when yeah. you're cutting through it, you're less likely to miss one and then end up with this clump of leaves and and the adjacent <laughs> wood block that's keeping it yeah. all from de- from despawning in the air. Um, so I like that, but man, they're massive. Like yeah. I had some big acacia trees next to my next to my um, town because I was farming acacia and I grew a mangrove just to kind of show chat what was going on and it like doubled the size of the acacia it dwarfed them all I don't think they're quite as large as um double tall like double wide spruce or jungle but they they get up there they're, they're pretty close to that yeah I, and the other thing too is that you have to be careful where you grow them because if if there's anything that's a transparent block like a leaf block regardless of what tree it belongs to, then the roots will grow through it. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you can, if, if you're trying to make them in, if you're trying to make some custom trees or you're trying to like maybe use the Minecraft algorithms to kind of get yourself quickly started, you got to be careful how far apart you are with them because they'll grow through other things, you know, bushes and stuff like that. I found that planting the propagules in a line like I would with oak or acacia or any other tree sapling, really, um, the roots were growing and replacing propagules that I'd planted in a line. So because they generate in a plus shape all of the time, I decided the best way to plant them was going to be in a diagonal line this time, because that way the roots can kind of spawn adjacent to each other, but they're not erasing the propagules that you've planted in a row. Um, yeah, I mean, I I like them. I mean, as and as like to move on with with the woods, like I've, I've used um, stripped mangrove logs and, and wood. Uh, I haven't used, but I liked and, and paired the mangrove um, logs, the one that have the bark on them with a couple of other different woods. They work really well with uh, jungle. They work really well with um, dark oak because of just how saturated those blocks are, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which I thought was good. Um, I, I'm not really sold on the mangrove planks and I touched on this on my stream. I feel like the highlight, the highlight pixels in the texture are too bright. And so it creates this weird kind of like it jumps out at you immediately and doesn't look like it even matches its own stripped log version. So I find it kind of hard to work with. So we'll have to see, you know, whether or not I, I use the stairs and slabs and blocks and for, for planks in, in a roof. Um, it's a pretty bright block, so you might want to use it sparingly. Uh, unfortunately pairing it with anything green just looks like Christmas mm-hmm. and, and I <laughs> yeah. couldn't get past uh. that. Cause I, you know, I had copper on hand. I had prismarine around. I was like, what does this look like? It's like, well, looks like we have to go either like yellow, white, or like brown and deeper colors. You can't really go into the greens at all because then it starts to look really, really kind of Christmassy. Um, and I haven't yet played around much with mangrove roots and mangrove leaves, but, but I did, play around with the muddy mangrove roots, which we've not even mentioned yet today, I don't think. And they look really cool and they're directional. Mm, yeah. Which Yeah, I, I, I was surprised by that. Yeah. Are mangrove roots directional too? Like, can you have horizontal mangrove roots? I don't believe you can. Um, off the top of my head, I don't think so, no. So what I discovered, and it didn't work for my build's location, but I was kind of messing around with the new textures and trying to like just had some ideas and saw what worked. And if you take a muddy mangrove root, place it horizontally so that the roots run left, right instead of up, down, and then have that like at the bottom of like a spruce plank wall, it looks like dirty planks. Like it looks oh. like if you had if you had mud around and you wanted to make it look like the mud was like on your building, but not have just like blocks of mud there. 
you could mm-hmm. absolutely make it look like it kind of dithered into into the wall of the building or whatever you're doing. It's it was a really interesting discovery. I didn't realize that they were going to be directional. Um, I just thought that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah, I thought they were cool. And I, I knew there would be a use for them as you're decorating a forest or wanting to create like a custom tree and you wanted to show the roots in the ground. Like I knew there'd be a use for them, but I did not expect them to go so well with like a spruce plank. So that was a, a fun discovery too. Are you getting the mang- the muddy mangrove roots by growing mangroves on mud? Because they will convert the mud into muddy mangrove roots. They, they kind of grow through them. But Or did you just get enough from like exploring a mangrove biome and grabbing them yourself or did you end up crafting them in the end crafting them in the end uh i I saw your video on the fact that they can create you know go through the muds i did it on one layer of mud on on the server just as a just to show it off on stream and show people how it worked but ultimately i find um the excellent thing about farming mangrove trees is that for your one propagule you get a decent amount of of roots you get a ton of leaves, you get enough wood, and you get four to five extra propagules. So yeah. you're always mm-hmm. in the positive. It's it's very easy to grow more. Uh, and I found that once I made the trip to the swamp to get mud, and I had several stacks of mud, then it was just a matter of taking one stack of roots and one stack of mud. And like, how, how much muddy roots are you going to be using? You know, like sure, once you've yeah. got a stack or two, like you're good for decorating for a while. Um, I did, however, uh, not find that mangrove biome on my first try so i i had to resort to making mud with water bottles and uh, Mm -hmm. i didn't bother to set up an automated thing i just kind of went around and it took a long time and i was experimenting with a bunch of different methods and it was easier to just kind of do several blocks in a row and then go back and mine them with your shovel but ultimately i settled on finding a part of my river that wasn't decorated and needed some landscaping anyway just going to the bottom of the river with one empty bottle and spamming right click fill the bottle from the river turn the thing into mud do that 10 or 20 times mine up the mud and then before you know it you get a half stack it really didn't take very long just just to get enough to kind of experiment with it in color palettes and kind of like get more than one or two of them like i wanted like a couple dozen uh to play around with and and that was the fastest but by by far by far because the mangrove biome has what four blocks deep it goes down to stone right it replaces all mm-hmm. dirt blocks with mud yeah so all you need to do is mine out a very small area of your mangrove biome and you will end up with a couple stacks of mud no no problem yeah yeah no it i i think the the water bottle thing is smart though because i i think it didn't occur to me because i was operating on the assumption that it was like a bucket of water where if you're trying to target a block underwater it's just gonna tip the water back out again <laughs> whereas with water bottles obviously it doesn't do that once you filled it up you either drink it or you use it on something and so yeah you can go down there with one water bottle and just spam the you know the base of a a regular swamp biome if there's dirt everywhere or a riverbed or or anything like that that's that's a uh, a neat way of doing it it makes a lot of sense especially if you just want to get a look at you know the packed mud the mud bricks the mud like if you just want to kind of look and see what you might want to go and collect you know you want yeah. to do a test with a couple of blocks it's an excellent way to kind of get it going um have you t- had time to play with uh packed mud or mud bricks i haven't that's the the one part of the block set that i think i'm still missing and and that's because yeah i was i was trying to prioritize what i wanted to go through and i haven't got that far yet i like you also need a larger wheat field <laughs> so i think <laughs> I, I i might end up even getting a lays to collect wheat for me at some point i think that might be a oh, fun, fun challenge a fun way to work it in um but yeah now i want to i want to start working with the packed mud i think before that though i am going to set up the automated 
thing. I am going to have like a, a piston feed tape with dirt feeding it past a dispenser. Nice. And the, the thing is, water can be bottled by dispensers as well as used on the mud blocks. So you can more or less fully automate that experience. The only thing you need to do is be there feeding more dirt blocks into it. Um, and then the empty bottles can be extracted via an item filter, even recycled back into the machine that's collecting the water bottles for you. Um, there's there's a lot you can do with that. So I, th- I think there's there's some pretty compact machines. There's some that can be more elaborate, but you can definitely do that with redstone. So I'm I'm looking forward to giving that a uh, giving that a try. I might whip up a design in Creative first just to check that it works, and in- instead of having to trial and error my way through it in survival. But I think I understand most of the. The mechanics involved but then yeah once once i've got that i'm definitely looking into packed mud and, and mud bricks and stuff i think those are going to be fun as an alternative to stone and stone brick in building foundations for stuff like i i like the idea of often when i want to start a build if the terrain is a little bit steep i kind of think okay i'll build out like a platform here and mm. I want to build out like a stone foundation for something and build a house on the flat. And then that lends a little bit more dynamic to the surrounding environment because you've got to have a staircase that leads down from there. And where does that staircase lead? And you can start to, you know, uh, spread out from there. And I think mud is actually going to be quite a neat looking foundation for that because it's sort of like a brick sandstone kind of vibe. It's a little darker, but I think it can look like a really decent building material in that way and have like almost like the kind of old photograph sepia kind of look to it it's like this is an old-timey foundation um but I, I kind of like the idea of using it that way so that's probably what i'll be spending most of my time with in in mud and mud bricks for, for the time being at least yeah with the mud texture it kind of looks like shale like it has like that deep sort of compacted look to it if you in the right mm-hmm. context with mud bricks uh and packed mud i find i like packed mud a lot more because the mud bricks have a lot of purple in the mortar which you don't expect because when you look at it, it's kind of like a tan orangey pink texture. Um, Mm -hmm. So the purple in the grout was not something that I was anticipating and it makes it difficult to put it with other warmer blocks. So you have to kind of pair it gingerly. Uh, But the packed mud is really versatile because it has that seamless texture uh, like cobblestone and it doesn't get repetitive. Um, I find that because the mud bricks are almost square in their texture on, on the block, as opposed to stone bricks, which are very rectangular, um, the mud bricks get repetitive very quickly if you have more than three of them in a row. So mm-hmm. people might find they have to do sections in order to make mud bricks look the way that they want. Um, I feel like it would probably look good as a roof. It would probably look like a, a roof tile, kind of like those um, terracotta roof tiles that everybody's yeah. always wanting. Um, but again, like it's not warm. Like it's got this purple cold twist to it that's a little bit unique um however the packed mud which is the one that you make with the hay bale or the hay the hay um the wheat block um sorry the wheat item um that i found looked really good next to like terracotta it looks good next to a lot of the woods it uh it looks good next to things like well for me i've got a custom hay bale texture but like it looked good next to a lot of yellow orange browns that kind of thing and uh, potentially even um red bricks you know like the clay bricks and that was the other thing that caught my eye too in that because we have stairs and slabs and walls i think with the mud bricks um we now have something like if you want to make uh chimneys or if you want to make kilns or or blast furnaces or anything like that that's a larger nature you've got a different block like you don't have to make every chimney either gray or these red bricks like there's something in between 
and because of the packed mud and the mud bricks and a couple of other things like you can actually work some other textures into it and and have it have it work which is nice it, it's nice to have those options the thing that packed mud reminds me of and it's just the shapes within the texture itself it looks a lot like cobbled deep slate it's got like almost little pebbles of mud in there it feels like and so i put that next to cobbled deep slate and obviously it's a huge contrast but i think it actually looks quite good as like a an alternate texture for something like that so i don't know if you want to have like muddy looking deep slate then it could be a, a weird transitional block but it could work quite well um have you had i know you said you'd seen the frogs have you had much of a chance to just like hang out with frogs have you tried like bringing any back with you are you just leaving them where they are for now leaving them where they are for now because in the mangrove swamp that we found it is I don't remember how far it's five, 500 to a thousand blocks away from our most Northern nether portal. Right. And I'd have to create another portal in the swamp, connect the tunnel up to the existing network. And even then we are miles from anywhere productive. So it's going to be a matter, I think, uh, akin to what you did on your video that I watched this morning, which is breed the frogs into tadpoles, bucket the tadpoles, and then go somewhere else. Yes, to, steal to the, the children. Frogs. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. always an unfortunate thing. But no, it's it's absolutely the play because yeah. frogs themselves, while they are fine on leads, you know, they jump around a little bit, but it's no worse than, you know, a goat or a fox. You ever tried to bring a fox on a lead anywhere? By the way, if they see a chicken, they're a nightmare. <laughs> they, <laughs> they just instantly try and pounce on every chicken and they're like straining at the leash and you're like, no, come this way. Um, but yeah, no, frogs are frogs are a delight by comparison but you really have much more ease of transportation if you're bucketing up tadpoles and bringing them in a shulker box. Like, I brought 24 potential frogs back with me from one swamp, um, and then I can just grow those up any any biome I want to get the different varieties and stuff. And we've got enough uh, mountains and things near the... Um, near the main nether portals and stuff that we have that we could do the cold frogs and we could do the warm frogs in different places and not have too much trouble getting them to say like a central um uh, magma cube farm or something for frog lights so there's a bunch of stuff that i'm really interested in because frog lights specifically the okra frog lights i think will work very well with my medieval builds mm -hmm. uh i've also seen people use uh, glow lichen on sea lanterns and i think glow lion glow lichen on verdant frog lights or even the pearlescent frog lights would would look yeah. good too. So there's definitely some some stuff, but um, I just didn't have time, or or I guess I also just wasn't in the mood to mess around with mobs that don't want to do what you want them to do. Yeah, um, yeah, no fair. In, in the mangrove swamp, but it's on the list. Like I, I I think they're they're interesting and cool. And I have a swamp farm, uh, in in my like one of my main mines for me as a player on the server isn't a swamp. It's where my witch hut is. It's where my slime mm -hmm. farm is. So there's potentially frogs that are going to be spawning there too. Um, it's not just mangrove swamps, right? Like I got the um, the orange frogs should spawn in a regular swamp. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I, f I found I found mine in a in a regular swamp, and I went and found the mangrove swamp frogs later, just to be like, oh, here they are spawning in the wild. Nice. Um, so yeah, like I I found the the swamp frogs relatively easily, and I think design wise, like pound per pound for pound in terms of like actual character one of the best mobs in the game like both frogs and the warden are 
the great models, great texture, the walk cycle is so cool, and they have really interesting ways of interacting with the environment. Um, I kind of think the frog breeding mechanics are similar to turtles, right? Where you have to wait for them to get to their preferred environment to lay their eggs. It's effectively the same thing. But with frogs, that's a short walk to the nearest water source. Whereas with turtles, that is the slow shuffle onto the beach and then finding a place to dig. And then sometimes they dig and nothing happens. And then sometimes they just lay one egg. And, you know, it's it's fun. But I think frogs have so much character the throat sack kind of bulging like they they kind of croak and stuff all really really good and so even if they weren't necessarily the most interesting mechanically i mean it's it's cool to have the the tadpoles the three different types of frogs it's a fun challenge to get all of the different variants but beyond this i was like okay these guys are now my frog light factory like i don't intend to do a whole lot with them outside of just using them to farm a building block um but I find that they're a delight to just have around because they're cute and they're really well designed. Like the the jumping stuff is quite fun. And the, you know, just the, the character that they have overall, I think is really quite charismatic, uh, which is not what I was expecting from a frog in a video game. But here we are. And yeah, getting all the variants was a fun challenge. The hardest one for me was going out and finding a mountain biome that was close enough to spawn that I was going to be able to bring it back in a in a boat, on a lead, whatever. And so I ended up bringing one green frog back with me. And then I realized that verdant frog lights are one of my favorite new blocks. I don't know why. The green one just, like, really, really stands out to me. Um, I also discovered that for the advancement, if you're playing on Java Edition, you don't need to have all three variants of frogs on a lead at the same time. The The advancement is worded as though you have to basically walk each variant of frog on, on a lead at the same time. It turns out if you just attach a lead to one of the types of frogs at any point, um, then that counts. And then if you go and you go to a different biome, you've got a green frog there, you put that one on a lead, it counts. Um, you don't have to have all three of them at once. Um, but you do have to have all three frog lights in your inventory at once to get the final challenge achievement that's associated with the with the frogs. So there's there's some some fun bits there. Um, on a casual basis, introducing frogs to magma cubes was not easy. Um, mostly because my nether spawn is a crimson forest, unlike the, you know, I'm sure everyone's like, oh, I have basalt delta at my spawn, so I can lure a magma cube, like, I unintentionally lure magma cubes back to the overworld all the time. But I didn't want to take my frogs to the nether because I didn't know where they were going to run into magma cubes. I have a nearby nether fortress, so I managed to lure a couple of magma cubes out of that. It does seem unlikely that players would discover that mechanic by accident. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing that would come up as a matter of gameplay, unless you were being really observant and noticed that frogs were eating slimes and the natural connection you make is, well, what happens with magma cubes? Luckily, there is an advancement pointing to it. So if you don't know what a frog light is, you at least go and look that up or you maybe start to observe your frogs a little bit more closely because you've no idea how they make these frog light blocks. And so I'm hoping that that's enough for people who aren't going to deep dive every detail of this update to maybe have their curiosity peaked and go and figure out what a frog light is in the context of this game. Unfortunately, someone might end up killing a frog to try and figure if they drop something, you know, <laughs> maybe. that's yeah, frog yeah. light worthy. But um, I like the mechanic, but I agree with you that it just, it's just the advancement is not always enough. Um, to to point players in that direction, but I'm I've got a, a lot of basalt delta around our nether area, so not like close to the hub, but like 
not off the beaten path too far that we couldn't get frogs easier you know like mm -hmm. in in a boat or on a leash in another along a already like um sorted out cobblestone road you know yeah so sure, it, sure. it wouldn't be the end of the world um and really what it would more than likely come down to is like put a portal where you want to build your uh your farm in the nether in say a a a basalt delta and see what's in the overworld above that like are you close yeah. to a mountain are you close to a swamp are you close or not even a swamp like are you close to like the three different temperatures of biomes that you can get the frogs in um i i think it's all really interesting i like that it encourages exploration and stuff like that my only really nitpick with frogs like i said is, is um the white color kind of throws me I, I don't i find it could have been a different color um in the i kind of want it to be like a red frog or 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 something more tropical uh the white frog kind of feels like you're not doing anything at all to blend into your environment <laughs> you know mr yeah, yeah. mr frog but it, it does help that it doesn't blend in i think though because like oh, sure. once i once i saw a frog i saw a frog very easily um because yeah if, if it was red or green or a kind of bluey brown kind of color then you, you're not going to see it in a mangrove mm. bio I, I like the green frogs the best, though. I think for whatever reason, yes. green is like the stereotypical color for frogs, but I just find them kind of the the, the nicest range of colors. They're aesthetically very pleasing mobs. Well, the um, green and the orange frog, are, they've got multiple colors. Like they're they're a little bit lighter on the bottom than they are on the top, whereas the white yeah. frogs just, I mean, they have slightly different textures, but like they're basically one color all the way around. And mm, I think yeah. that may be why they stand out to me. It's like, well, they could have done a little bit more with that. But like, it's a, that's a small, that's a small thing sort of albino toad kind of vibe they have going on <laughs> um so the deep dark and ancient cities are something i have done and i gather that you haven't so i, I haven't but i'm curious about your first impressions given how yeah. much we've talked about it on the show leading up to it like i know all about it obviously from from the podcast but like the actual it's finished it's in the game experience this is new to me yeah, and they've changed a lot since I really last tackled them. Because I went in on the first Warden snapshot. I was lucky enough to find an ancient city without really much guidance. And they've changed the design of them. They've added more modular structures to them. They've added, like, upper walkways to a lot of the corridors that I was looking around and that kind of stuff. Um, and so it was a new experience for me. Um, like I said, it was pretty easy to find once I realized that, hey, this mountain was going to have basically everything I wanted. Um, so I had fun playing the stealth game right away in the deep dark. Um, you know, walking around on wool a little bit, trying not to trigger the shriekers, mostly succeeding. Um, I did find a couple of areas, kind of like our correspondent in the email today, where it was impossible not to trigger shriekers because there were like a couple of them clustered together and some skulk sensors nearby and it was not really possible to occlude them with the wool even if you put wool on top of a skulk sensor it would still transmit through a skulk block on the side and you couldn't break any of the blocks around them to place wool near them so you were gonna trigger one regardless um luckily by the time i hit my fourth shrieker one of my other strikes had like worn off it like it timed out it was more than 10 minutes ago so i didn't end up spawning a warden i managed to avoid it the first time i went to the deep dark and then once the shriekers are taken care of i easily got like a stack of skulk sensors handful of skulk catalysts enough that i was gonna be able to get on with them for a little while um the wool occlusion thing isn't quite as intuitive as you might hope but i think it's good enough i think it, it's nice nicely balanced i think it gives the player a lot of situations which they can um 
you know, manage to build their way out of with wool, and some which you can't, but there are definitely, like, it's it's avoidable scenarios the majority of the time. Um, but a, a skulk sensor diagonally below a shrieker or vice versa, bad news. <laughs> Avoid. Um, with the Ancient City, I started off kind of careful, and I found it was pretty easy to diffuse the skulk shrieker traps. Um, and I kind of see each of those areas like a little puzzle. Like, it's kind of like almost a mini game within the ancient cities there isn't always going to be a solution because it's generated in a randomized organic sort of way um but most of the time if you see a room like a decently contained area with some shriekers and some sensors you draw lines in wool trying to kind of disconnect them from each other as though it's like okay i cut the wire here and you're diffusing a bomb and then most of the time you can figure that out to the point where you can open a chest and nothing is going to get set off you do have to check behind a lot of the walls first um so that can be a bit of a problem but um eventually i ended up playing a bit more recklessly like not bridging around on wool the entire time and opening some chests just on a whim um and the warden arrived within minutes and that was what i wanted because i wanted that experience but i think there's a good balance of accessible chests and tricky situations down there um and i found that the environment in which you find the ancient city also changes how you interact with it so like once i spawned the warden a couple of times because this was in a big cavern open to the sky it was very different to how i would have explored it if it was in a much more enclosed cave and I didn't have a Lytra or whatever at the time. Like, I was able, once I got to the point where a Warden encounter looked like it was getting a little dicey, I just flew away. And even though I was flying blind, I still had the darkness effect for the first few seconds. I got far enough away that I was able to let the darkness effect wear off, and then I just flew straight out the top. And I was like, okay, I can, I can exit this in a comfortable way, and as long as I know where my exits are, I'm not going to be too scared about this experience. But the atmosphere of it the the encounter with the warden the darkness effect everything super atmospheric and i think a really well crafted stealth experience i'm i'm a big fan and have been from the beginning but i think this really cemented my impression of the ancient cities in the deep dark as one of the coolest new features of of minecraft like it, it's it's one of those experiences like the end dragon fight like you know your first time fighting the wither or something like that even your first time finding a village or a desert temple or something like that it really feels like it's going to be an iconic experience for people getting into Minecraft right now. Further down the line, they're going to remember the first time they encountered the Warden. I really think that's the case. And I think a lot of those experiences that you just mentioned, especially anything that happens in an overworld, uh, is amplified with the, you know, pardon the pun, with the 118 terrain. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. I just saw a jungle temple when I was looking for uh when i was looking for the um the mangrove swamp and the jungle temple was on a huge cliff side ocean front uh in a, in a jungle that would just not be possible without yeah. 118 terrain gen mm -hmm. right and it's a jungle temple i've seen them uh you know before they're nothing you know amazing as far as i'm concerned anymore but the fact that it was this recognizable iconic thing in a very cool location immediately just kind of like made my brain like there's a good idea make a jump like what what do you do as a player like you 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 renovate that like you take the yeah. the minecraft generation and just renovate that i think it is ridiculously cool that you have a ancient city experience with a, like a skylight like that yeah. is not <laughs> yeah. something 
that I even dreamed of when thinking about how am I going to tackle the deep dark? What's my experience going to be? What are other people seeing? Like, how is this going to work out? The fact that you can get to a point in the ancient city and look up and be just like, peace out, sucker, and like, bye, you know, fly mm -hmm. off into the sky. That is really interesting. And it kind of makes me wonder, you know, for people and players that are in the, you know, like the sidecraft sphere of things, what they might have planned for things like an ancient city biome or a deep dark biome, if that involves then like, well, what happens when you remove all the blocks above mm -hmm. a deep dark, you know, or an ancient city experience, like you skylight the entire situation, you know, what does that look like? Um, there's, there's a lot of potential there, but I'm glad that it was a good experience. Like, I'm glad that tricky though, it may be that, um, you were still able to go in there with a little bit of knowledge and, and not trigger the warden. Cause my, yeah. my plan is not to, is, is to go get some skulk, go get a skulk sensor or two, you know, maybe get some of the echo shards. Not that I know what to use them for and just, and peace out. Like I, I did, I don't have no, I have no intention of like summoning the warden on purpose <laughs> to see, yeah. to see what it's like, you know, um, but it's uh it's an interesting interesting idea do uh, remind me do does the action of placing a wool block trigger skulk sensors it does not and okay. it doesn't like there was a snapshot i believe at one point where if you placed a wool block on skulk it's like the skulk would send vibrations through it so that was like the one area that was a no-go for placing wool and it turns out that's most of the environments where you find skulk sensors and shriekers. So I think they maybe reverted that, or maybe I'm just not remembering it correctly, but it's not the case in 119 full update. So okay. yeah, so so bringing wool is the play, or harvesting wool from the environment, because as we've noted before, the pathways around there are made of wool, there is carpet here and there, there's like a little campsite kind of area with wool in a variety of different colours, and I think bringing colourful wool is a good idea as well, because you can use that to either kind of colour code your paths around here and go, okay, this is a good route, this is a bad route, like, block this off with red to say, like, no go, like, bad idea, don't trigger the shriekers in here. And um, yeah, you can you can do a bit more of that stuff. It's also just more visible, considering again what we we heard earlier about the deep dark basically being a black hole as far as like not letting any light in. That's that's like it helps to bring some colourful elements into that environment. Um, briefly to touch on the loot, and I have one more thing to say about the allay before we wrap up because I know we've gone quite long here. Um, in terms of loot, I thought it was decent, like as a a person who doesn't go through and loot absolutely every structure and i'm not like i'm not on the lookout for something like looting isn't the main experience i get out of minecraft i'm just happy with what i got um aside from the skulk blocks because obviously you're picking up shriekers and sensors and all of that kind of stuff as you go i found maybe one or two of them in the loot chests but i got 10 echo shards I got seven fragments of music disc five which is not enough to create the full music disc i have to go back and find a couple more uh, I got a couple of pairs of diamond leggings, and I noticed it was pretty much just leggings I was getting, which hints at Swift Sneak being a leggings enchantment, I suppose. Um, I found a um, a Fortune 3 uh, hoe, which is again a hint at, hey, you can use hoe on, you can use a hoe on the skulk. Uh, obviously, there was a skeleton skull in one of those areas with the altars, so I decided that was loot as well. I got an other side music disc. I got three enchanted golden apples two of which were in the same chest, and I think I, I've, I've heard people have gotten as many as five from from some of these chests. And I got three Swift Sneak books, one of which was Swift Sneak 3, and there were two 
Swift Sneak 2. And I got another enchanted book that was, you know, Quick Charge or some other randomized enchantment like that. So there's a decent spread of stuff. There's a lot of the the lore loot where it's like soul torches and candles and occasional skulk blocks and that kind of thing. But overall, I found the enchantment that was unique to the, the structure. I found a decent amount of the, you know, other unique resources, but maybe not enough to satisfy all of my curiosity about them. I don't think I raided every single chest in the structure, but I think I got a pretty good snapshot of what is in there, and I was pretty satisfied at the end of the day. I, yeah, with with the loot stuff, like I, I'm definitely looking forward to getting some swift sneak. I honestly have to remind myself that that's in the game. Um, yeah because i'm thinking about like how often i have to build up on scaffolding or walking across roofs that i don't want to fall off of like and i feel like <clears throat> that kind of stuff goes so slowly yeah that the swift sneak is going to come in handy as a builder not just in my efforts to avoid the warden when i eventually go um but uh i don't that's the one part of this experience or this planned experience that um i can't come down on 100 because i've not experienced done it yet but i i don't really have any push to go experience the warden because the yeah. loot to me it's not as cool as it is that you get all that kind of stuff on a five-year-old server not really inter yeah. interested now if it was a brand new world then yeah like mm -hmm. very enticing you know like uh you know uh the the hoe enchantments the, the the leggings like having extra diamond stuff like absolutely you know so i I can see how they kind of have to craft it as as a a lot of people are going to be coming into this with a new world as opposed to as opposed to you know um, or a relatively new world even as opposed to me on a five year old server and that's yeah. that's where I kind of have to temper my expectations. Yeah, and, and without adding a bunch of brand new items that would be like otherwise inaccessible without having going to an ancient city. I, I'm not sure how it could be improved that doesn't just make it feel like, oh, this is just end city loot again where you get like a handful of diamonds and gold and iron and the, the kind of yeah. loose gems in there, you know? Like there's definitely a couple of things that could improve it, but I think it would require a little bit more work on Mojang's part to stuff additional features into this update at this point. But I think the and recovery compass and the music disc, they're kind of, they're fine. They're sort of trophy items more than anything. Um, because I don't find either of them practically all that useful, but I think they're still good to have as potential stuff. Like, it's it's more about the glory of having looted one of these structures than it really is about getting any worthwhile resources out of it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the cool factor. And, and I mean, like, again, to go back to what we said earlier, too, discussing the emails, I feel like there's some future planning that, that might be happening. I, I think that I, I don't think that the loot necessarily needs to be improved for 119. Yeah. I think that maybe there is room to be improved for future updates. Not that maybe even Mojang knows what that is, but maybe they just know we're going to want to update this eventually. And I and I think that that that's probably a, a good way to look at it. And and I find that it's more of a trend with the latest updates for Mojang too, is that like while they they arrive and have stuff in them. Uh, as you look back over the track records, like there's definitely some iteration. There's definitely some, oh, now you can do this with this block. Or now, you know, we've got these different things that we've added to the game that kind of build on the last update or combine really well with something from the last update. So I'm, 
you know, I, I don't want to judge, you know, the deep dark experience on the loot and and stuff like that. I mean, I'm excited to get my hands on some skulk and some skulk sensors and mess around with some redstone stuff. And like, I'd love to have a door that opens up for me like the force, you know, because mm, I, yeah. I don't want to press a button. I don't want to step at a pressure plate. I don't want to, you know, I just want to walk up to it and have my footsteps just open it. You know, I don't have to worry about it being secure because we're all friends on the server. So I just think it would be a really fun way. And I feel like in a, in a, a futuristic sci-fi build, you know, we very often think about hard surfaces and metals and stuff like that. But like, I kind of think like it would be fun to do some organic sci-fi looking stuff. I mean, you could make some really weird looking trees with skulk sensors and streakers and all kinds of things. And mm-hmm. so I, I think it's, I think the idea of getting my hands on that kind of stuff is it's going to be a nice uh, departure from, from the um the medieval stuff that i've been working on so i'm looking forward to the deep dark and and adventuring in the ancient city but not for the same reasons of i i think people looking to experience the warden so much as it's like just going and getting the blocks and and seeing what can be done with them later on yeah yeah absolutely uh right one last thing about the la uh because i've only just started playing around with the la literally today and right now I'm seeing them like an organic version of redstone, really. It's like you don't have to use a lot of this stuff, but with the right setup, it can make your life a little more convenient, right? You've just got to know what you're doing with it beforehand or be open to experimenting with, hey, what is this capable of? Like, what can I get redstone to do next? What can I get an allay to do for me next? Um, but I found two at this pillager outpost while I was looking for the deep dark and I took note of where they were and went back and got them later. The first thing I'd started using them for was clearing up after a mangrove tree farming session. Like hypothetically speaking, I fill my inventory with a bunch of other stuff, uh, so that all I'm gathering is a stack of mangrove wood. Um, and then I still use a silk touch hoe and all of the leaves and a lay gathers them for me, throws them into the composter for me and I'm never picking any of them up myself. So I just have a repeating timer on a note block that's just reminding the LA where to drop the stuff off. Works pretty well. Like, the the timer needed some work because it was just an observer looking at a daylight sensor to get, like, one ding every couple of minutes as opposed to, you know, something on a a properly mapped out timer. Um, But I decided, sure, I like these guys enough. I'll probably end up using one to farm amethyst shards in a geode that's not a water tank. And like, there's there's a variety of things I can do with them. So I went back to find that woodland mansion that I mentioned I found on the way to the mangrove swamp. And I got literally through the first corridor, killed a vindicator, turned the corner, and the entire corridor was on fire. And it turned out that a lava lake had generated in the middle of this woodland mansion and was burning down the mansion from its center from the inside out this thing was burning and it turns out right in front of this lava lake i start to hear this like fairy noise and it turns out the the lava lake has generated directly in front of the cells where they are keeping some allays and there are four prison cells arranged in that kind of l-shaped formation that you find and now they have these little blue fairies in and immediately my heart goes out to them and so i'm no longer rescuing these things from you know these evil illagers that might be turning them into vexes or whatever the law suggests i'm rescuing children from a burning building (laughs) and and so like this is all going to be in tomorrow's episode so you guys are getting exclusive preview on the podcast i was tugging these things out on leads i was giving them items so they would follow me i was like go 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 no fire path go to the exit go to the exit and it was it was chaotic i didn't thankfully like 
you know, what are the Illagers going to do? They probably all just burned and perished or fell through the floor as it was set on fire below them. Like, it didn't it didn't matter where the Vindicators and Evokers and stuff were. I think I saw two the entire time. But there were tons of allays in this place. There were two separate modules of the jail cell, and I think... I don't know if one is guaranteed to generate in those mansions. I also don't know if they're guaranteed to have allays in them. But I think I have about... 18 allays in that whole place like it, it there's a lot wow. of them in there and so i now have most of them tied to a fence post outside the entrance of a woodland mansion that is just a burned out husk i think it is still burning <laughs> as we speak um so yeah i'm gonna go back there and i'm gonna rescue the rest of them luckily for them uh if you leave them alone if you encounter this scenario they're inside a basically a cobblestone box there's like a cauldron and a couple of carpets in there nothing is going to catch fire even through the walls so the allays are going to be perfectly safe so if you see a, a woodland mansion that is burning down let it <laughs> and then go in there and clean up because you'll have a much easier time but man it was just it, it really made the end of that episode it, i'm looking forward to editing it so much because it was just suddenly action like it was like you were a firefighter just pulling all of these allays out of the building it was it was so fun that's amazing Oh my gosh. We have fire tick turned off on the server. Otherwise, my yeah. new strategy for Woodland Mansions would be like, is it on fire? And Alistair would be like, not yet. <laughs> yeah, can it be on fire? Yeah, exactly. Like, And I, it's one of those things that like, I willfully left fire spread on when i started this world because i was like okay i'm going in purely default like i really want just the default settings for this world and we have campfires now so i can have one of those instead of a, a regular block of fire you know i can i can do all kinds of stuff to to get around the the fire spread mechanics and i'm so glad that i did because it turned it into a fantastic story it's yeah. like it's one of those minecraft experiences you have you're like this would probably never happen to me again the game has literally actually surprised me for the first time in how many years yeah. because yeah first of all the deep dark stuff is so great but then this woodland mansion burning down and me having to pull all of the the allays out of the jail was just oh chef's kiss chef's kiss experience minecraft 10 out of 10 well done well done um that's where we're going to leave it for this episode of the spawn chunks thank you so much for listening folks hope you're all enjoying 119 and as joel mentioned earlier if you have any thoughts about it uh short and sweet preferably but please do email into the show and let us know we'd love to read some of them on the chunk mail dispenser in the meantime, you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can do that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Joining our community, pledging at any level, gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live as it is recorded in Discord every week. And you also get access to our monthly Minecraft audio hangout and a bunch of other stuff besides. It's a wonderful community, and it is up six patrons from last week we are currently at 341 patrons so thank you so much to everybody who has hopped on board in the last little while special thanks as always go out to our content engineers hunter 555 jumbo sale and yitz thank you so much for your support on this episode sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show you can find us at the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast just tell a friend about the spawn chunks and that they can listen on itunes spotify google podcasts really wherever you can find a podcast and you can leave a review on your favorite platform as well you can email the show once again at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com the rss feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the patron only rss feed is on the patreon page that's where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. 
My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where I try to make sense of this bizarre, wonderful, and occasionally on fire game in season two of the Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind the scenes work for the aforementioned YouTube series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? joelduggan.com is the easiest place to find my illustration design portfolio, links to socials, uh, other podcasts I do, like the Citadel Cafe, which is going to be coming back this week, hopefully talking to Brockett uh, about some uh, upcoming movies this summer. And we're also, of course, watching closely the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So we'll be talking about that. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream Minecraft and lately Lego. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite and muddier than we expected.